Welcome to You News, the podcast, using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Thursday, February 4th. I'm Carolina Sarasa, and these are today's headlines. A new jobs report showing a stalled economy as President Biden pushes for a massive stimulus bill on Capitol Hill. Meanwhile, discord and division amongst Republican lawmakers as the party struggles now that President Trump is no longer in office. And for the first time, more vaccines than daily infections here in the U.S. as new data shows more evidence on how to keep schools safe. This and much more today on U News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. Begin with this, the stalled economy. More than three quarters of a million Americans have filed for first-time unemployment benefits last week. Those 779,000 claims are down from 812,000 the previous week, but still several times higher compared to the last period last year. The numbers add up to a job recovery in deep trouble. And when it comes to helping the economy, President Biden says he's optimistic that bipartisanship is possible for a COVID-19 relief deal. Now he's also signaling willingness to move ahead without Republicans. Edwin Pitti has the latest from Washington, D.C. Edwin. Hi, Carolina. I can tell you the House Democrats voted last night, setting the stage for a party-line approval of President Biden's $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief bill. The 218 to 212 vote approved a budget resolution that would unlock special rules in the Senate, allowing Biden's relief package to pass with a simple majority, instead of the 60 votes usually needed. With the budget resolution in place, Democrats would be able to get to work in earnest on writing Biden's proposed bill into law and ultimately pass it without any Republican votes if necessary. This morning, Press Secretary Jen Psaki said that President Biden is confident that he'll be able to get Republican support. Meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, said that she would prefer Republicans to join Democrats in voting for a COVID relief bill. Take a listen. Go big rather than go small. And, and that's what we have to do. It is a reasonable plan. It meets the needs. It is not excessive. It is coronavirus-centric. It is in a timely fashion. And that's where we have to go if we are going to, again, put vaccine in people's arms, children in school, money in people's pockets, and uh, workers back in their jobs. Carolina, changes are already being made to the original plan, especially when it comes to those direct payments. The latest proposal being considered would send $1,400 payments to individuals earning $50,000 a year or less and $2,800 to married couples earning $100,000 a year or less. It is not yet clear when the payment could start going out, but the White House officials are determined to pass the legislation before mid-March. Reporting live in Washington, D.C., back to you, Carolina. Thank you for that report, Edwin Pitin. And also in Washington, a lot of tension within the Republican Party over two lawmakers, while House Republicans voting to keep Liz Cheney in leadership after she defended her impeachment vote against former President Trump. But Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene's future is in limbo as Democrats push to remove her from several committees. Andrea Linares has the latest. Third-ranked Republican Representative Liz Cheney is staying put. 
we're not going to be divided and that we're not going to be in a situation where people can pick off uh, any member of leadership. A majority of Republicans in the House voted last night in favor of keeping Cheney in power. But exactly who backed Cheney isn't known because the vote was by secret ballot. Some Republicans had lobbied for Cheney to be removed after she voted last month to impeach former President Donald Trump a second time. We're very candid and honest with each other, but address this as a family and address this as a team and ultimately finally worked to have a vote where we kept the entire team together. Meanwhile, Democrats are gearing up on Capitol Hill to do what Republicans won't, holding Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene accountable for pushing outlandish and extremist conspiracy theories, forcing a vote to remove Greene from the House Education and Labor and Budget Committees. The last time I checked, cancers need to be cut out and not allowed to metastasize. Republicans met for several hours overnight, but ultimately decided to do nothing, taking no action against Green, saying she apologized to the party. She said she was wrong. If we are now going to start judging what other members have said before they're even members of Congress, I think it's going to be a hard time for the Democrats to place anybody on committee. McCarthy accuses Democrats of a double standard, mentioning Democrat Ilan Omar, who's been under scrutiny for remarks critical of Israel. The pro-Trump freshman congresswoman from Georgia is drawing heat and support for numerous controversial statements made before she was elected. There is an Islamic invasion into our government offices right now. Although some members say the GOP remains united, some analysts say Green is causing significant tension. So far, Congresswoman Green has not apologized publicly. Many experts agree that removing Green from her committee assignments could be a risky precedent because it has the potential to someday be used against Democrats by the Republican Party. Now, meanwhile, hundreds of congressional staffers are asking the Senate to convict former President Trump in his impeachment trial. The plea was made in an open letter signed by more than 370 staffers. Organizers say the signatories came from more than 100 House offices, 15 Senate officers and 10 different committees. The letter is asking senators to convict Trump for our sake and the sake of the country. One staffer says many people who work in the Capitol were traumatized by the violent riot that took place last month. And in related news, two prominent Proud Boys members are facing conspiracy charges over the last Capitol Hill insurrection. A grand jury indictment says Nicholas Oakes and Nicholas DiCarlo were part of the mob that stormed the building. But prosecutors go further, saying the two suspects did a lot of planning in advance. Their alleged goal was to block the certification of Joe Biden in Congress. And according to the indictment unveiled on Wednesday, they raised money for the effort before the insurrection. The two Proud Boys members are joining more than 180 others who are also facing charges in the indictment. Officials say they expect hundreds of more arrests down the line. And the Secretary of Defense is ordering a staggered pause of operations across the military for commanders to review the handling of extremism in the armed forces. The pause is known as stand down. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin says commanders need to have discussions with service members 
over the next 60 days. Concerns about extremism in the military spiked after the U.S. Capitol riot. Now, authorities have charged at least 22 people in connection with the riot who are either formerly or currently associated with the military. And joining us now is Katrina Mulligan. She's the acting vice president of national security and international policy at the Center for American Progress. Thank you so much for your time. Glad to be here. Likewise, what is your reaction to the announcement by the Secretary of Defense ordering a review of extremism within the military? applaud this move. I mean, what we saw at the Capitol and what we've seen in the indictments that have followed is um, is a is a rather troubling um, proportion of um, current and former military members who took part in that insurrection and who took part in the violence um, in storming the Capitol. And, you know, I think that that it portends um, a larger problem within the military. Um, and so, you know, I think General Austin is sending a very strong signal right out of the gate that as Secretary of Defense, um, he's not going to tolerate um, extremism in the ranks and that um, that it's a leadership issue that from the Secretary of Defense all the way down, um, they are going to prioritize it. They're going to take it seriously and they're going to take immediate actions to um, to prevent um, and remove people from positions of trust who shouldn't have. Now, federal prosecutors are going after these groups involved in the Capitol Hill violence. What does that say about how the Department of Justice is taking them? I mean, I think that the Department of Justice still has more to do. I think we have we have a, a, a problem within the military and within federal law enforcement, um, it appears. And, you know, I think that the Department of Justice, um, in addition to prosecuting crimes that may have taken place, also needs to take a hard look at whether it's appropriate at this point to establish some new standards of conduct around um, what, um, you know, people in positions of trust, including law enforcement officers, um, are doing, what causes they're a part of if they're engaged in extremist activity online or participating in violent acts against the government. Now, Canada recently designed the Proud Boys as a terrorist group, but here in the U.S., they haven't done that yet. Let's listen to what the White House press secretary said yesterday. We, of course, have a review underway, uh, a domestic violent extremist extremism, I should say, review that's underway by our national security team uh, to take a look at uh, violence and uh, this type of concerning uh, group activity across the country. Uh, I expect we will wait to, for that review to conclude before we make any determinations. What will be the consequences of naming the Proud Boys as a terrorist group in the U.S., and what impact could that have in the future of the violence? Well, right now in the United States, we actually don't have a domestic um, framework for designating um, domestic organizations as terrorist groups. We do have foreign foreign designations of terrorist groups, and and when we do make a designation like that, there is there are a number of consequences, primarily financial consequences, um, that um, systems that actually cut off the flows of, of funding, and you can you know create the possibility of charging. People who support those organizations with uh, with material support charges, which are criminal offenses, and so you know, I, it would be it would be very serious indeed if they if they were designated as a foreign terrorist organization. But I do think that there's a there's an important need to balance um, the civil rights um, in this country as well 
Um, it is not illegal in this country to hold extremist views. It is illegal in this country to act on them and to commit acts of violence. Now, in a recent piece titled The United States Could Be in the Early Days of a Domestic Insurgency, you outlined some of the signals signaling increased violence ahead. What can we expect? You know, what's really troubling is that we're starting to see a number of groups um, that otherwise wouldn't necessarily share um, goals, but they share a grievance, a, a grievance that's rooted in really a, a big lie that the election was stolen um, from Trump, who was the winner of the election, which we all know is not true. Um, and that organization that we're starting to see around that grievance, around that lie, is what is so troubling and what, um, and what this, the events in the United States um, share in common with insurgencies that we you know, left unchecked. We know where this leads. Um, we could start seeing political assassinations. We could have seen them on January 6th. It would have gone differently than they did. And, you know, I think it's a really troubling trend and it argues for a very serious Thank you so much for your time, Katrina Mulligan of the Center for American Progress. The CDC is warning that the UK variant appears to be more deadly as the strain continues to spread across the US. Dr. Anthony Fauci saying that reinfection is possible. This as vaccination efforts keep improving, more Americans now getting vaccinated every day than those being infected. Lorraine Casares has more details. Vaccine efforts nationwide still moving slowly but making progress. The number of Americans receiving a first dose of COVID vaccine now greater than the daily number of reported cases. States coming up with ways to speed up the process. We are launching in a few weeks as well statewide a new app called My Turn. Not only will allow you to be notified when it's your turn for a vaccine, but also allow you to schedule the vaccine and allow us end-to-end -end feedback from providers, providing data not only to the state, but to our federal partnership. This as variants continue to spread, 36 states now reporting more than 540 cases. The director of the CDC saying Wednesday that there's increasing data suggesting the original UK variants may be deadlier. Dr. Anthony Fauci warning Americans who already got COVID-19 that reinfection is possible. If it becomes dominant, the experience of our colleagues in South Africa indicate that even if you've been infected with the original virus, that there is a very high rate of reinfection to the point where previous infection does not seem to protect you against reinfection. And while vaccines become readily available and research proves if they can actually prevent those inoculated from spreading the virus, masks continue to be the best line of defense. The U.S. now possibly considering imposing mask standards, reviewing a draft guidance on size, comfort and level of protection, changing the marketplace of makeshift PPE as we know it. And as the new administration pushes for schools to reopen nationwide, only half of states have offered vaccines to teachers. But the director of the CDC clarifying it's not a prerequisite.
I want to be very clear about schools, which is, yes, um, ASIP has put teachers in the 1B category, the category of essential workers. Um, but I also want to be clear that there is increasing uh, data to suggest that schools can safely reopen and that that safe reopening does not um, uh, suggest that teachers need to be vaccinated in order to reopen safely. Meanwhile, a new study finding weekly coronavirus testing can cut infections by 50% in high schools and 35% in primary schools. The same study noting social distancing reduces transmission by an estimated 88%. And when everyone wears a mask, infections are cut by 40%. And the UK is now conducting the first study combining two different vaccines. Participants are going to be given a dose of the Pfizer vaccine and a dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine. And if the mix and match works, that can uh, surely help accelerate the vaccination process, not only here in the U.S., but around the world. That's all the information we have right now. Carolina, back to you. Thank you, Lorraine, for that live report. More of you news after the short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The effects of COVID-19 will be felt for decades to come. Both parties are very far apart. Approximately 250,000 people have lost their lives. You news covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. You news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. The Department of Justice is dropping a discrimination lawsuit against Yale University. Back in October, the Justice Department, under then Attorney General William Barr, sued the school. They accused Yale of discriminating against white and Asian American applicants. The Biden administration did not explain why it was dropping the case. But this decision is the latest change in several cases pending in federal courts connected to the former Trump administration. And in other legal news, the Supreme Court yesterday canceled courtroom arguments scheduled for the next few weeks over two aspects of former President Donald Trump's immigration policy. The court granted a request from the Justice Department to remove two Trump administration appeals of lower court rulings, one against the use of Pentagon money to build the southern, wall, the southern border wall, and the other against making immigrants wait in Mexico instead of the U.S. Both cases are still pending, but will probably be dismissed. And President Biden is expected to announce his intention to increase the amount of refugees admitted into the U.S. The Trump administration set a refugee cap of 15,000 for the current fiscal year. That is the lowest since 1980. Biden has pleaded to set the annual admissions cap of 125,000. But according to sources, the plan is to wait until October when the new fiscal year begins and to set that cap. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.